if Jared Gillard is given a penalty for the Harry Kane one, then there absolutely is a top six bias. Jared Gillard doesn't think that's a penalty. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I thought this was the Premier League we were watching. I mean, how, how have we gotten to a stage where we're watching Unai Emery coming up against Ryan Mason? <laughs> that's, that's a bit off, isn't it? I mean, like it was a bit sad. We saw the stats that came out at halftime. Spurs had 0.0 expected goals. I've never seen something that low before. They had no chances created. Villa had loads of chances created. I think they had clocked it as three key chances that they created or scorable chances and 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 then you just even look at how bad Spurs were and the Villa fans their suspenseful build up their cheers they were just getting ready for a Spurs player to give the ball away so this was going on for 30 seconds at some stage like a keeper about to take a goal kick it was <laughs> and that sums up what, what we've got here like I thought this was the top of football the very pinnacle <laughs> of the biggest sport in the world and somehow you and I Emery possibly the greatest manager in the world finds himself <laughs> finds himself pitting his wits against Ryan Mason. What a waste of time. Spurs are fucking shite. My, my, fav- my favourite joke when I was a Wayne was, what do you call a ladder with a sunroof? A skip? Well, well, I can fucking update that now. What do you call Glenn Whelan with a Spurs jersey? Skip? Like, what a fucking <laughs> joke of a team. A, a, a bigger pack of whinging ursals you couldn't possibly meet as well. You know, you know, and a fish rots from the head down and Spurs fucking stink. And Harry Kane is a fuck the fucking face of it as well. Like they're not a serious outfit at all. I mean, fuck me, that was pathetic. The co-commentator on the stream I was legally watching when the camera when the camera shot to Ryan Mason said he must be thinking the players have not executed his plan. Yeah. They implemented fifty percent of it. Like you know, all he said to them was get out there and do your best. Let's be fucking serious. And the, the most remarkable thing about Spurs this season is that they're still in the top six. And and do you know how they are in the top six? Because they won seven of their first 10 games and because we were giving Steven Gerrard money for the first 10 games as well. <laughs> but but we, we found out everything we needed to know about this Spurs team in the first half of the season when they were actually doing quite well because they wrote off their season when we beat them in January. It was, it was the first time they dropped out of the top four this season. They were in fifth place afterwards. Yeah. Top four for the previous 16 weeks. 21 weeks to go. But Conte fucking knew. He came out after that game and said they needed a miracle to finish in the top four. They were fifth. You can just see it in their eyes. A bunch of watery bastards. <laughs> I wouldn't even be giving Ryan Mason such a hard time if he didn't come out batting for himself. He said he was he was the, the guy for the top job. I mean, if he was just there as caretaker again, I would let him get on with it, understand that he's been put in another weird situation for another weird season of Spurs. But he said when he took the job, like his first time was caretaker, and it was just confirmation that I'm absolutely ready. The first time, the first <laughs> time was confirmation. I'm ready for this situation. We handled it well two years ago. Done nothing two years since. <laughs> a lot has happened in the last two years. Okay, it's his words. But I feel fine and I feel ready for this situation. Yeah, I'm ready. And if that situation happens, it obviously means I have done a good job. <sighs> I mean, 
I think we've come a long way since four weeks ago when he said that. And you're right. I still can't believe that they're still ahead of Aston Villa on goals for, or actually goal difference now because of Hurricane. They're ahead on goal difference, but it feels like they haven't won a game in 19 weeks. Exactly, and if if you were the man for the top job, you'd be the man with a top job as well, Ryan. You wouldn't just be scratching your arse for the last two years waiting for another manager to get sacked. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some Aston Villa goals because, I mean, we know what happens when Leon Bailey goes on to his right foot because (laughs) world class oozes out of that right foot of his. Greg Butler told us that. We've all seen it. Every time he goes to the line, Leon Leon Bailey, Leon Maisie Bailey, creates... (laughs) creates a goal chance and this time it went to the right person the right person who was feeling good all day you have to say i mean this this was a great goal ramsey won it back like he just got in in front of the spurs player the way villa were doing for the first 60 minutes i mean that was like this is spurs we're talking about this is the the big six spurs this is the super league spurs (laughs) they were just penned in harry game was 40 yards from his own goal most of the time villa were just winning the second balls pushing them out of the way the only reprieve was peter banks giving spurs free kicks for some of these shoulder tackles and this time ramsey got in ahead of the spurs player got it to moreno moreno bangs it to Watkins. it's just such a gorgeous flick as i think it's hoiberg just comes through the back of him no card and uh, he flicks it off, drops it off for Ramsey, coming steaming through, gets his head up, bangs it across to Bailey. I have to admit something. <laughs> Bailey had that ball in the corner of the box, and I thought, go on, go on, get it onto your left. <laughs> get it onto your left and let it fly. I like, you know, what, what What have I become? Just get, get down the wing, get it onto your right foot. And he goes right and gets it across, and it's such a nice controlled finish from JJ. The drop-off from Ollie Watkins is yet again absolutely deadly. And he does that while getting completely taken out by Emerson or Hoiberg oh, or Romero. Romero, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. They're all useless. And then Ramsey, <laughs> Ram, Ramsey's not messing around. And you can hear what I think is Emery on the sideline as soon as, 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 soon as the ball gets towards Watkins. Go, go, go. Because he can see that Spurs have fallen for it. They've, they've given Ramsey the entirety of the half space. And he gets it out of his feet, gets the ball forward, and gets himself forward as well. And this is this is easily the most enjoyable thing about Villa since since Emery took over. It's it, you know at its most basic, and you'll like it obviously because of that. Get into the fucking box, and they just flood the box whenever they smell a chance. And once Ramsey releases Bailey, and Bailey releases himself from the shackles of thinking his left foot is any good, it's just game over for Spurs. And when the ball comes to Ramsey, he knows he just has to tighten up his ankle, and it's a goal. It's a lovely, lovely goal, like you said. Yeah, lovely control finish. Like the, this is what Gerard, I assume, thought of when he said he, he wanted to get more players into the box. Like he, sometimes, well, he... get them into the box, Stephen. How are you getting them in there? <laughs> I did. I'm not to even call back on a a ghost that's even further in our past. But you know, when you see Ramsey following up like that, who would we have seen? create a move like this from start to finish or from start to almost finish like we saw Ramsey here and he would have lingered outside the box and watched the play unfold in the box it would have been Jack really she would have just stood out instead of just just go to 10 yards further and Ramsey goes to 10 yards further and he's rewarded for it and he gets the goal that he deserves because he won the ball back in his own half and and created it the whole way through the lines yeah absolutely he won it back played it got it back played it again it's just all so sp- fast so quick his movement into the box and just the the clinical aids from bailey and ramsey beautiful yeah it's not a complicated game 
It's <laughs> <laughs> my addition for talk sport. The second goal, Douglas Louise. Did you have a feeling? Did, did you have a feeling when he stood over that ball? I thought, I think he might score a free kick today. <laughs> <laughs> now, part of that wasn't just a feeling. It wasn't just in my bones. It was a lovely distance away. It was a very nice angle. And I loved, I loved the players in the wall because... It was such a distraction that he knew he wasn't going to go for those players and he knew he was going to go the other side and yeah, he whips it round. He doesn't make it to the top corner. Like Forster <laughs> sort of does a bit of a Larice on it, doesn't he? Helps it on its way. But but Douglas Wee does enough of it with a nice strike and Forster does the rest. It's not a good free kick, but Fraser <laughs> but, but but Fraser Foster is not a good goalkeeper, and we have plenty of examples of that today. I mean, by the time he gets his hand to it, it's already crossed the line. And where it's crossed the line, my God, it's so far from the corner. I mean, Fraser Foster's six foot seven. One big ironic sidestep to the left, and he'd be catching that ball in his stomach like Doggy just giving it back to him to play fetch. It was pathetic from Foster. But when he was lining it up, I did think, Jesus, there's a chance this would go in. Because Forster was the fucking goalkeeper for Spurs, and because the referee, for the first time I think I've since I've started watching football, was very generous with his ten yards. That has to be said. And putting the Villa players into the wall did work because Forster's there trying to fucking see around them. You idiot! That's exactly what they want you to do. You're leaning to your right while you're giving the whole left hand side the goal. If you're Giving him the left hand side, like, oh, get ready to go left. What are you playing at, you moron? <laughs> he gave them the near side of the goal. It was, it was a bit weird. It's, I feel like it's everything should have been back to front the way Forster was setting that whole thing up. It was, it was strange. And you know, Villa could have had a penalty in that first half. This reminded me a bit of the Newcastle game where it was like, ah, oh, come, we're, we're hammering him so much. Can we just get a second goal here, please? And then when Watkins knocked that ball away and Emerson Royale just slid through the front of Watkins and took him down. I thought, okay, like this, this is interesting. <laughs> then our bubble was quickly burst when we heard the words, the the scary words, Jared Gillett, the VAR this afternoon. <laughs> and I thought, oh, nobody's getting any penalties here today until <laughs> Harry Kane comes along. <laughs> Harry Kane comes along. And the annoying thing about this, right, is that, Everybody knows, Jared Gillett knows, even Peter Banks knows. They know Harry Kane has dived there. But he's dived into the player and, and football has just wrapped itself in knots about this stuff. They've, if, if somebody just had the balls to say, I will you dive there, like you've created that contact, you're not getting penalty. But they're, they're all just getting distracted. They're like the Villa wall. They're all looking at, but he has jumped into Emmy Martinez, so they, they, <laughs> they don't look at the knee drop on Emmy Martinez. They don't, they don't think about it that way. They just think about the contact. Is there contact? It's like, of course there's contact. He jumped on the goalkeeper. <laughs> and he gets the penalty and he puts it away. Yeah, just on the, the Emerson one there. I mean, yeah, Watkins doesn't have the ball anymore. But that makes it worse. That means the tackle is really fucking late. And, and yes, sure, Watkins doesn't have the ball anymore. But one of those numpties in the Spurs backline does, and I want to see Watkins closing them down. I want to see what happens when they're put under pressure in their own six-yard box, for fuck's sake. And, uh, like, if Jared Gillard is given a penalty for the Harry Kane one, then there absolutely is a top-six bias. Jared Gillard doesn't think that's a penalty. (laughs) 
if Jared Gillett is given that as a penalty, then we need to see the footage of the VAR van. We need a VAR in the VAR van because someone has a gun to his head. Like, someone needs to check in on Jared's family because they've been taken fucking hostage if he's given that as a penalty. It's a fucking knee drop from The Undertaker's brawler. And I know I have laughed at the suggestion that some thick ex-footballer gets to sit in the van with them. But someone needs to step in there and say, come on, wise up. Look at his fucking legs. They've collapsed before Martinez has gotten anywhere near him. And and, and they thought they were being clever as well by, by hiding the footage of this offside review. But, <laughs> but you don't fucking hide something unless it's worth hiding, do you? Yeah. You don't hide the fact that you're going out for a pint with the lads. You hide the fact that you're going out for a pint with your other woman. You hide the fact that you're a cheating cunt. And, <laughs> and the best thing about this, they already showed a replay of him being offside. Like, you've told your wife you're going out for a pint with the lads and left your fucking cheating sex tape playing on your laptop. And, and then obviously, obviously Peter anglo Irish Bank, the fucking corrupt cunt, was always <laughs> going to be more than happy to point to the spot there. And, and there, there was one in the first half as well on Kane when, when John McGinn got booked and the co-commentator said, not, not sure if that warrants a yellow card myself. And fair play, dear. That's as far as anyone has gone. But there's this idea among your pals in the media that Harry Kane needs to be protected because he's the England captain. Because he's the England captain, you have to hammer him. He's he's idolised. Like He's pushed as a symbol of righteousness and all that is good about the game. And he's a diver, a cheater, and a dirty bastard. And your pals need to stop saying. And and I've got... I've, I've gone after the use of the word clever before, but they need to stop being so fatalistic. You know, th- that's the way the game's gone. That's what you need to do to win. And it's not just f- fatalism. It's it's pitiful. It's self-effacing. Like, you're the media control the narrative. You're literally writing the narrative. Yeah. Nobody likes watching people dive. Call them out on it. Like England captains, your own captains, every pr- prick in your club, say they're cheating. Like, don't have a little giggle. Like, you might as well celebrate Lance Armstrong and Tyson Gay. You know, a clever use of EPOs there. Fuck me. <laughs> and to your point, I can't believe I'm going to expand on your point about having the ex-pro in the VAR van. <laughs> but what's happened to Howard Webb? Remember his talk where he said, football is telling us that that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be given? Football, we've listened to football. <laughs> And football has told us otherwise. Like, well, like, where is football now? Like, where... He's just disappeared, by the way. He came out in a bluster telling everyone that everything was going to change. I'm here to fix it. He has so quickly disappeared. It's unbelievable when he realized he is just the next fool in charge of Manchester United. <laughs> and he, can't get, he can't get it under control either. He can't stop the rut. Like, this is going to keep going. And like, that would be a perfect example. Like, do you know what? Like, we don't even want to criticize Hurricane if he doesn't want to go there as part of. The English media, if he just wanted to just just only look at, at what a class player he is, you didn't have to hammer him for this. You could just say, look, this is the sort of thing he's been given all the time. But actually, I'm looking at this now, and football is telling me that this should be a penalty. <laughs> football is ruined because people are getting penalties for this, and if we start calling it out here now, it'll start changing, maybe. Like you're asking where Hoyer, like what's Hoyer Webb going to do? Hoyer Webb? Did he even book Nigel De Jong when he flying kicked Jabby Alonso in the fucking chest? <laughs> oh, God, where's he, the saviour of football? Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll come back with WhatsApp winches. All right, three fines to hand out before we go anywhere. 
Kanza, that long diagonal ball to Moreno, got nowhere near Moreno. That was one of Emmy Martin as his old goal kicks, basically, just flying out of play. Emery was disgusted at it. It was in the 19th minute, and it was so out of kilter with how the game was going. Like, Emery came over, and he was telling him to calm down, but also, like, what are you doing? It was like, have you not been watching the last 19 minutes? Just just take a touch and give the ball to him again. It's fine. Like, I told you, I told you this is going to work. We don't need your Hollywood passes. <laughs> And that was the thing. It was working so easily. The ball into the midfield was on non-stop. When was the last time you watched an Aston Villa game and said, just give it to McGinn and Doug either? <laughs> That's how far we've come. Like, <laughs> McGinn and Dougie in a double pivot. Just give it to them. It's working. And McGinn just, every time, just waited for Richarlison or somebody to come and just walked around them and then ran forward. It was amazing. It was absolutely pathetic. It was like they got it into their heads that they needed to press John McGinn. It's like, Jesus Christ, lads, after one or once or twice he got caught in the gravity of his arse. Surely you realize there's a different way to press him here. How many times did they get sucked into his arse? It was yeah. pathetic. And do you know what? I said there's three fines on another week. On another week, I think I would be finding John McGinn for the John McGinn shot. Uh, <laughs> we still have to talk about it, but he's not getting fined. He was too good today. The great bit of leon bailey work and he, he roasts his man i think it's royal and he gets it uh no it's not it's ben davis obviously it was always ben davis <laughs> he gets it to mcginn but i don't think he was setting him up for a shot but mcginn thought i don't care how far out i am i don't care how wide i am i'm hitting this bad boy and i'm going to slice this bad boy high and wide yeah i don't care how many spurs players are on my way here i don't care if the only way i can hit this is to be outside of my boot and despite the fact that i haven't come across it enough it's going to fly miles towards the corner flag and if i did get it on target it would have hit a spurs player's horse <laughs> and the uh, doggy free kick from the right hand side just this is a classic fine for whatsapp when just a cross <laughs> and he crosses it in and he crosses it out for a goal kick here oh the originals are the best Conan. <laughs> the first whatsapp when Sorry, did Hoiberg just grab John McGinn's face and throw him to the ground because he was that annoyed of his arse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Hoiberg is an absolute twat. Let's be honest. You know, himself and Christian Eriksen are a pair of bollockses you know, at, at the risk of mixing up my genitals. Like, like, this lad is absolutely pathetic. He's made... He's made a career. Sorry, the only, the only fucking thing that's been in his career for the last two years has been pressing man city at the age of their box twice a year that's all he's done like he, his career has just fallen off a fucking cliff and do you remember whenever our whenever denmark finally beat ireland after drawing with him four times in a row five times five times <laughs> well he made up for it by beating us by scoring five in this game but coming out gloating about it talking about oh we got one over on them and all like congratulations that was a midfield being anchored by myler arder and fucking jeff henrik and in the second half sorry during martin o'neill's Death rattle as a manager, he switched to a 406 formation. Yeah. Well done. You beat that fucking Ireland team, you prick. Stop being a gloating bollocks and get back to being a professional footballer. It was absolutely pathetic the way he grabbed John McGinn there. And of course, they had no interest in looking at that. An actual foul that should have probably been reviewed by VAR. Yeah. Baz on Twitter for a second WhatsApp when she said, Can Bailey actually hit a hard shot? <laughs> yes, he can hit it hard, but anytime he does, it's the fucking glazing of the corporate boxes and under more pressure on the opposition goalkeeper. So this is it. I completely empathise with Leon Bailey. I think you you've been frustrated at me on a number of occasions for not putting my foot through it, but I know what'll happen if I put my foot through it. I can't generate the power because I need to put it with my instep all the time. And when I put it with my instep, it's just it's not Vinicius Junior with my instep. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 
The third WhatsApp winch, my favorite one to be honest. Son should change his name to Sof. <laughs> for for soft side. Yeah, 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 yeah I got it. Because <laughs> you know he was always offside. But he but was, actually, yeah. but actually, like he should. I'm thinking about a, a new rule, not for WhatsApp winches, but for football. You should get a card for three offsides in one half. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? It was like they were playing fucking playground football. You know, no offside rule. I was expecting Tyrone Minks to turn around at one stage and shout, "Hey, no goal hangers, no moochers." <laughs> they, they weren't even close. Like, it was the, unbelievable. The son not know that he's fast. Like, has he forgotten how quick he is? Was he wearing fucking blinkers? He was like, he, did it? Did that mask he had on during the World Cup actually have blinkers on it? And now he can't. He has no peripheral vision because of it. It was madness. He like, and so often as well, you could see him looking across the line when he's looking at the ball coming as well. He knows he's offside. Yeah. He has to know that he's offside, or he just doesn't know the rules of football. It was strange, and he looked so bewildered afterwards and so annoyed. You knew you were offside. Yeah. You're on the. You're on Kanza's shoulder. Young is pushed up. You, you know that's the last man. What the fuck are you doing? He did look shocked every time. It was really strange, and like people were praising Villa's high line. I don't think it was. You know, it was. It was good. It was fine line, but it was. Son was just running five meters past it. He was starting his run behind the line every time. It wasn't like they had a lot of work to do to catch him offside. Yeah, they weren't popping up right. They held the line fairly well, like you know, which is which is praiseworthy for Aston yeah. Villa because they haven't been good in that for the last couple of years, and it's praiseworthy in general. But you're right, Son made it so easy for them. It's not like they were luring them in and then popping out or anything. They were just standing in a straight line. But this is the thing, and look, I know I'm not I'm not going to start slagging the linesman because I know that's a trigger for you. Like you are Mister Linesman, not putting their flag up. But <laughs> <laughs> even just offsides in general, without the delay. And the delays are annoying. Not always the linesman's fault. Not always the linesman's fault. <laughs> but like, they're doing reviews of football. They're complaining about the amount of time the ball's in play. They're talking about trying to make it more entertaining. And like, nobody seems to care. The players can just be offside and bring the game to a halt every two minutes. Like, this is what Spurs were doing. And Son was the biggest perpetrator of it. They, they ruined the entertainment of that game more than anything. They did. I, I think it was it was baffling. It was, it was really strange as well that Harry Kane kept playing the passes because Harry Kane must be able to see it as well. He can see the whole back line. He knows that he's offside. Don't play it. And you can't get away with that anymore as well. So whenever you're a forward now, you probably have to veer on the side of, of caution now. You're, you're not, you can't try to steal a couple of centimetres anymore because it's literally being defined by millimetres on the camera. So there's no point in trying to hopefully get away with one past the linesman because you know the cons and mings are quick. You have to probably lean the other side this nowadays. The last WhatsApp winch, it's just two words and it's, it's the most dairy WhatsApp winch I've ever given you. It's just referees, hey. <laughs> just fucks, fucks sake, hey. <laughs> but the, like if you just go through it, we're talking about the the Heuberg one not being penalised, the Romero one on Watkins. Like that, that's that's a classic yellow. Watkins has flicked the ball off, and the, the players just come straight through him. And this is the sort of thing Spurs fans praise Romero for, but Romero's just taking himself out of the move. Their apparently mm-hmm. most important centre back is no longer involved in this move because he wanted to go through Watkins, who no longer has the ball. He's already dropped the ball off. You mug. Like, he's already dropped the ball off on the fucking right wing as well for Spurs. Exactly, this is it. And and then we can talk about the Emerson Royale thing. We're obviously annoyed at the Kane penalty, but there was just all. Do you remember the John McGinn shoulder on Son? This was just after Buendia yeah. was looking for a penalty. Um, Basuma slipped 
he slipped in the vicinity of Ramsey and he gave a free kick and he gave it so quickly and so aggressively mm. as well. Uh, that McGinn's shoulder again on Hoiberg in the 93rd minute. It was like, this is a game we're trying to win here. Did they allow to go shoulder to shoulder with some players? Like, and it was each time for McGinn, it was classic shoulder, just winning the ball that was dropping down between two players. And he's just not, he's just nudged them out of the way. He's just not even had to use his arse this time. He's just gotten his body into position to collect the ball. And maybe I need to be consistent here and not criticize him for this, but playing 97 and a half minutes. Come on, <laughs> what was going on? I was going to praise Emmy Martinez for taking 32 seconds off for a goal kick. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know this happened against us. I'd be raging, but I do not like to see that against Villa, especially when the ref was this bad all game. Yeah, like that, the ref couldn't be trusted. You're right, and I, I, I think we need to preemptively move to the Vyman meter and put John McGinn up on the Vyman meter for not slapping that referee. <laughs> and not in an aggressive way, just slapping him and saying, wake up, like you forget what sport you're fucking refereeing here. It's not a tea party, pal. Not a tea party, it's a sport. But get, like Romero had about three or four of them as well, where he just went, they go through the back of John McGinn as well. And McGinn stood back up and got the ball. But it was just reckless diving in, pointless tackles from Romero. And there was one in the first half where... The co-commentator said an injury worry for Spurs, and then the camera panned to Romero, panned out in the ground. That's an injury worry for Aston Villa. Keep that useless bastard on the pitch. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that there, and we'll come back with the award categories. You mean he's like a fucking excited dog? Doggy Louise. There's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Dougie knows what, what routine is being called. You mean he's like a fucking excited dog? Like just, just happy to be there? McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg. Like a good boy. <laughs> that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> the first Rosenthal award obviously cannot be counted anymore because Sam was offside. <laughs> he went through and hit the post. Martinez did well, I thought, there, though. He really stood him up and ready to go wide, made him panic a little bit. Sam was off it today. Yeah, he made him go wide, definitely, but Son actually also beat the goalkeeper. I think if, if that's another inch to the left that goes in and Martinez isn't getting there, but luckily Martinez did force him wide and made the shot a bit more tricky. Maybe this is where Baz's WhatsApp wins came from, the Watkins to Bailey, the chance for Bailey. I thought the commentator sort of got it right. It seemed to be a bit a bit behind him and he pulls it across, trying to go to the bottom right. You know what? I know you always like Sagan, Fraser Forster, but you know I've got a soft spot for him. This is exactly the sort of save that I've seen him make through the years. Gets down very quickly. Big, strong arm. For such a big man to get down so quickly, I've always been impressed. Every time I see him make this save, I wonder, how is he not the England keeper? 
<laughs> well, maybe that's how he is such a big man because he made such a fucking meal out of everything. In the, <laughs> in, in the lead up to this, it's, a, it's an incredible 20 seconds of pressing from Aston Villa. You were calling for this last week. They were moving in packs and they were shuffling across the pitch really, really well. And they were always going to win that ball back. And then Ramsey nips in and we're away. And, and three or four, one and two touches. And Watkins then does brilliantly to dig it back. And look, what can you say? At least Leon Bailey connected with the ball this time from a cutback. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely improvement. The Moreno cross to Watkins. This is what we said last week. Watkins can miss these chances. This is why some people get frustrated at him. This is why I definitely got frustrated at him today. He oh, he does get his head on it. It's not like it's, it's away from him. It's a good cross from Moreno. It was bouncing up from Moreno. He, he drilled it across and Watkins gets his head on it. He's trying to glance it. Oh, just, get your, just get your head through that one. Like. I know, I wonder, was there a bit of the the chance that he missed against Wolves where he, he hit it too well of his head straight into the keeper? Was he trying <laughs> to be too cute here and get it to the side of the net? I, I think you're doing uh, Moreno a disservice there. It's a fucking incredible cross. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Caught in a volley and the, he's catching the volley about a, a yard and a half off the ground as well. And the problem is that Watkins tries to head it. You don't head balls like that. They head you. Like, <laughs> You know, John McGinn would have done a better job of that by just doing his old favour of ah. falling into the ball and letting it smash off the crown of his head. It's like, Ollie's too pure of a centre forward. Like he, he has to strain his neck muscles if it's going to count as a header. Just fucking jump into that and it's a goal. You're just feeling too good about John McGinn today. We can't be going this far over <laughs> The other nomination in the first half, I wouldn't have even had this as a nomination. Uh, Ramsey pulls it back for Buendia's left foot and I was like, you know, that's not going to go in, but why not have a shot? And he hits a crossbar. He basically hit the joint, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that almost that almost snuck in. It was a good shot, in fairness. It was a lovely little one-two from Bundian Watkins in the build-up as well. And what, what about Watkins? No look back heel, straight back to Bundian. Yeah. And Ramsey is Ramsey is calm. He picks out his man. Like I didn't think it was actually the best man to pick out at the time, but then Bundia does absolutely burningly. What an effort! Helped out, of course, by your pal Fraser Forster. <laughs> yeah. He pulls his hand away like the fucking crossbar is the top rack of an oven. But like, oh, oh, you're sure that's going over, are you, Fraser? Yeah. Like he was just shy of giving that the big ironic way as the ball was smashing off his fucking crossbar. <laughs> Would it be funny to see a keeper jumping up, you know, when they do the pull up on the crossbar as the ball goes into the top corner? <laughs> <laughs> Did Brindiam? He didn't mean to play that. He wasn't trying to play that to Watkins, was he? Was that just a heavy touch on his part? Or was he playing it through for Watkins? He obviously had no idea when he when he backheeled it back to him. I think he was trying to push it through to him and uh, it was just a shit pass. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take it on from here, mate. Cheers. Uh, the second the second half, Douglas Louise corner. What a ball. Like What a pass across the Ashley Young. It's a nice move to create that space as well. I think it's Kanza and Mings maybe to just clear out the space and in comes Ashley Young and my God, what a bad connection. We're back at it. If Philip players could just connect with the ball, we would score some lovely goals. Yeah, I, I actually think what's happened here is that we've actually created space for Ashley Young this time to have a shot, but he's shuffling out of the players. And that has caused so much confusion in Ashley Young's head. He doesn't know how to hit the ball unless there's 20 other players in front of him. And he fucking couldn't have connected worse. Buendia had a little step over and shot with his left foot. Forster made a meal of that one as well. Um, Son, I just have Son through, offside, hits it wide anyway. <laughs> I don't even, don't even remember that one. And then 
Kulisevsky actually had probably their biggest chance. He uh, it sort of just does Marino, doesn't he? He's just, he's just strong when he's running. When he was coming on, to be honest, I was like, ah, no, I forgot they had him as well. He could be a bit of a handful, and he pulls it back and he curls it wide of his left foot. Yeah, he should have. He should have passed that to Harry Kane. Should have rolled it across him. It definitely wasn't Spurs' biggest chance. I'm sure you'll you'll see the next one on your list there, but it might have made it into a different award category. Um, the Buendia oh, yeah. one has made it into a different world. <laughs> the Buendia one with his left foot. I mean, like, yeah, Foster looks like he's afraid of the ball this time. It's like someone's throwing a wasp nest at him and he's just trying to get rid of it. Get it away from me. It was pathetic. If we don't go to the other category, what do you have the winner as here? <laughs> <laughs> I think Ollie Watkins has to has to make a better connection with the ball. He just has to throw himself into it. And that's a goal. The cross is so good. Ollie Watkins is worried about head and the ball. He doesn't need the head. Okay, the real winner is in the Peter Winkleman What the Fuck Award as well. <laughs> Douglas Louise is just caught on the ball. I think it's Heiberg that does press up the way he used to press back in the Man City days or against Man City. And oh, it's just, oh, it's just sleeping. There was actually a stage in the second half, or it was the second half anyway, but later in the game where the ball comes to Douglas Louise in that position, and you can just hear all the fans basically. There's a bit of tension. There's a bit of warning. There's like, come on, just hurry up! Don't be doing this to me again. Get it going. And uh, with this stage, he gets caught and uh, Kane's through. He should score. He's trying to do Emmy Martinez. He's not going to do Emmy Martinez. Not from open play anyway. He read that so well. He covered the angle so well he put Kane where he wanted him to go and he made the save and I think in the follow-up from that they still should have scored and it's the sort of thing that you would normally see them scoring because you just have so many men over and we're scrambling but Mings does well to stand Son up and I think it's Ramsey that comes in then and intercepts the ball in the end and yeah that was uh that was just one of the best sights of the game actually just seeing Ramsey coming and nick that ball away and taking it out to left back yeah, like doggy standing around dreaming of Scooby stacks there. Like, come on, you're 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 playing in fucking centre midfield. Just have a look over your shoulder. You know how to do this. You're a brilliant centre midfielder. You don't receive the ball twenty five yards out from your own goalkeeper without knowing what's around you. Particularly, like I said, the only notable thing that Hjorberg's done in the last two years is press Rodri twice. Like, you know, that's it. That's what yeah. he wants. That's what he's doing nowadays. And the co-commentator again says, "You see what Harry Kane is trying to do there." It's Martinez that's in control of that situation. Like he, he knows Kane wants that side and he makes sure that Kane goes to that side as well. Yeah. Positioning Kane can't open up his body and put that across anymore because Martinez has dared him to put it there and he's dared him to put it there because he's ready to drop on it and Kane falls through. It was a great save, but Martinez does also have a nomination for the What the Fuck Award. He's not winning it. Douglas Louise is definitely winning it, but he came out to claim a cross that was basically dropping into his chest, and he dropped it. And like the annoying thing about this is, you know when a referee makes a mistake, I follow the next two minutes of play just to confirm <laughs> confirm the butterfly effect of how these people have fucked us over. This was the, <laughs> this was the Basuma falling on his arse, and the free kick comes in, and I thought, ah, oh, brilliant, Martinez is coming. What the fuck? <laughs> drops it in the box yeah absolutely inexplicable for a man a man of his talents a man who has redefined the goalkeeping position for me by going back to the original definition of it somebody who comes out and catches the fucking ball from across strange that he would drop that yeah a half nomination almost for Moreno do you remember he it was in the 90th minute I think and he's getting caught on the ball in the halfway and he doesn't want to clear it away and obviously he's probably worried that Emery will give out to him if he just lumps it clear that stage I was thinking just lump it clear but he then got caught in the ball didn't really know where to go he had no options so he turned around and he thought I'll just get it back to Martinez and Jesus like he almost sold him short almost he didn't so maybe he shouldn't be 
awarded, but it had my heart in my mouth. Yeah, I think you had your heart in your mouth because the camera wasn't panned back quickly enough to Martin. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. He just wasn't a picture for it. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that going to? But actually, yeah, there was about 10 yards between Martinez and Kulisevsky, I think it was. It was closing them down at that stage. And yeah, it, it did look like it was getting caught under his feet. There is still something about Marino, as much as I love him now as a player, with the ball does get caught under his feet. I don't like to see him dick around because I just do think he's got the propensity to lose the ball whenever he's trying to triple it. Unless he's knocking it in straight lines, he's normally a baller. And I I, I knew he wasn't hitting, under hitting a pass that badly. Surely it beat the Jesus. That was a fucking... Martinez was going to be there. <laughs> Do you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? Let's pause and pay tribute to Glenn Whelan, who's retired from football this week. I don't know if I want to pay tribute to him, really. Like, I... Glenn Whedon, if he came five years later, would be involved in a big culture war. He sort of was in a little bit of it. Social media just wasn't as loud as it was back then, but people often appreciated the job that he did. I didn't really. I did, I just, he just hid too much for me. I was always convinced he could put anybody in that position. And I know discipline. Discipline is a big role or a big attribute that not everybody has, and he had it, but if you just told somebody to stay in that position, and if you don't stay in that position, I'm going to fucking take you off, then I, I was convinced you would get most of your players in your squad to do a better job than he was doing there. Um, this is what, what an awful drive-by on somebody who's just retired from football. But I remember, the reason I'm thinking about this is because I remembered his last act for Aston Villa, really, was the West Brom semi-final when <laughs> Dean Smith, remember, remember it was going so well, it was Hurahan, it was Grealish, it was McGinn, the midfield three, and he bottled it coming into the playoffs, and he played he played Whedon instead of Hurahan, and he gave the goal away in the first half, just the, the classic, this could be called the Glenn Whedon Award, but there's another Glenn Whedon Award, so, but it was a classic what the fuck moment, he just let the ball go through him, it was, it was probably Dwight Gale who scored, and, <laughs> and I remember thinking, like I think I tweeted out at the time, because he would have you would have tried to be a bit more nuanced about it, you know, especially when you're working with your pals in the media and it's you're trying to see that you're seeing things from all angles. So I used to soften up a bit on Glenn Whelan. And then when that happened, I just don't, nobody ever fucking talked to me about Glenn Whelan in a positive light again. My tweet was something to that effect. It was just like, there it is. This boy just ruined my life. It's confirmed. I told you it was going to happen for 10 years and nobody. <laughs> And nothing's happened. He showed up at Aston Villa and he's given West Brom the lead in the playoff first leg at Villa Park. And then thankfully Hurrahan came back on the pitch and obviously we all know what happened then. Um, so it's actually quite, quite uh, fitting that both of those things, Glenn Wheeler and Tyron and Hurrahan's goal, uh, were both this week. But um, where am I going with this? Yeah, Glenn Wheeler, I remember then, he had one good game for Ireland against Sweden in the Euros and he did a good job on Ibrahimovic. He said he did a good job. He wasn't playing centre half, but he did a good <laughs> job doubling up on him. And I remember just the hypocrisy then when he came walking through and there was me having slagged him for about four years beforehand. And I was like, Oh here Glenn, can I get a can I get an interview of you? You're brilliant today. And he just said, No, you're all right. And he walked on. And I, <laughs> I have to say I respected him in that moment. It's like it all we've done, all all the media had done was slag him and it was like, you know, I'm not going to be there for you now. The one time I played well. I'm sure he didn't say those exact words in his head. <laughs> he probably said, I'm just getting out of here. Why is this nobody asking me for an interview? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, well, the thing that people always said to try to justify him and to try to make themselves sound like they knew more about football than they actually did was he's doing a lot of stuff you can't see. He's he's not doing a lot of stuff that I can see, and that's the fucking problem that I have with him as well. The two biggest issues I had with him was 
when he was playing for Ireland, the amount of times I saw people picking up the ball between our midfield and our defence, it was incredible. I mean, that was the whole point, apparently, of having Glenn Whelan there. And just the incessant balls just getting played into that space behind our midfield was heartbreaking to watch. And the most unforgivable thing is, and you could see it every time the camera was on an Ireland match, because any time Ireland had possession, it was their fucking back four that had it. And you could see them looking up, normally about to launch an 80-yard pass, but often because Glenn Whelan was hiding in behind their centre forward. I saw him step into that space behind the centre forward yeah. so often in my life as a football fan that I don't care to remember it now. And I'm not really sure why you brought him back up. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your retirement, Glenn. Happy retirement, Glenn. Um, yeah, I, one more point on Glenn Whelan now while I'm still rattled by him, by, by, by what he did in 2019, giving the ball away against West Brom. Uh, it was the one of the things that people said about him was that it's the passes that aren't made because he's there. And I was like, mm. well, there, there's a fucking lot of them being made. I don't know how many more, <laughs> I don't know how many more could be made mathematically. Like they, every time they have the ball, they make that pass. I'm not sure there are more, there's more room for any more. Anyway, <laughs> the only nomination for the you like them, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty award is the corner that got the ball to John McGinn on the halfway line. <laughs> and look, this worked out because John McGinn was able to run by everyone and get, and get the ball into the box himself. And he crossed, landed on top of the net. But, you know, it was, it was from a corner then. It was like, okay, we're in a good position now eventually. But I don't think I don't think the initial plan was very well thought through. It was like, let's, let's work this ball around 50 metres away from goal. I fucking hope that wasn't the plan. Working the ball out to our last man so he can run in an arc to the other wing and dink one to the back post and onto the roof of the net. I fucking hope to God that wasn't our plan. I really hope Austin McPhee wasn't working on that for the last week. But given the very first corner we had in the first two minutes of the game as well, where there was four passes back and forward to get us into a position for McGinn to hack one along the ground from 40 yards, out from the byline to the corner of the box to a fucking Spurs player. I wouldn't be that surprised if Austin McPhee was working on that. And there was another one we tried twice as well, where the set-piece routine seemed to be, let's hope Emmy Buendia can flick this on with a back heel into the top corner from the near post. <laughs> fucking madness. That almost worked. It did, did almost work, but it's not a good idea. Come on. Like, how often is that going to work? Yeah, I know I was complaining just last week. It's funny how your result changes things. I was complaining about Austin McPhee you know, trying, trying something different with every podcast. And then today I was like, geez, Austin McPhee's really cooking today. He's really trying <laughs> The winner of the Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award, has to go to Richardson, doesn't it? This guy. Jesus Christ. He's become yeah. a ghost. Like it's, it's a bit sad. I don't know if you saw Callum Wilson and Mikel Antonio's podcast where they were, they were literally laughing at Richardson, this is two fellow Premier League pros, two strikers, and they were just laughing at Richardson's stats this season. They said <laughs> he's taken his shirt off four times to celebrate goals, but he's only scored one goal because three of them were offside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not necessarily his fault, based on what was happening to Son today as well. Yeah. He must be working on that. Let's just play offside. There's loads of space in there. Why don't we just all stand in there? fucking madness but it's not that hard to understand that 
current professional footballers might be slagging off their colleague Richarlison, is it? Because he's an absolute cunt. <laughs> <laughs> the Vimin meter going up, you and I, Emery's haircut. I mean, this guy looks fresh. He looks younger. <laughs> he's making the brown gelé look good somehow. He, he looks... At... I don't know. I really like the haircut. I like that he left the top of it long. Do not touch that top. Or make it's it... a short back inside. What are yeah. you talking? I really like that hair. As if he's gone out in a limb here. <laughs> he went to the barber and said, "Cut my hair." That, that's what he did. <laughs> but also, he's come in rocking that haircut after getting manager of the month as well. Like he got these pictures taken with the new haircut with the manager of the month trophy. And of course, I think a. Nabbing this off Chris Dolan on Twitter, but he said, like, of all the curses that Unai Emery has lifted at Aston Villa already, of course, he's the one to lift the dreaded manager of the month curse as well. <laughs> ah, yeah. I mean, I'm actually really If anybody listened to the podcast last week, I'm really surprised we were able to pull this performance out because it's not just that spurs were shit we were really fucking good as well that made spurs be shit a lot of the time first couple of minutes just like fucking hell we're on it it felt like the newcastle game again it felt like we were doing all the right thing we were pushing the ball through we were playing at pace just even like the goal how quickly ramsey got onto the ball the ball from watkins was incredible under the pressure but it was behind ramsey but ramsey wasn't dicking around you know he could have rolled that back to the center half but he just got out of his feet and got forward again released bailey we were just on it today and una emery has to get some amount of praise for that based on the last two weeks as well the turnaround was absolutely incredible yeah when you play that well and we we do it often we come like we we're back sort of when you when you play that well it's like everything's possible again it's like yeah two more tough fixtures but bloody hell let's let's go let's go for this again and like the record of villa park now is ridiculous i'm going up you know i am going up villa park six wins in a row now and one penalty conceded in those six games that that that's crazy as well like aston villa teams used to be afraid to play at villa park i mean this guy has made this place a fortress already he has, yeah, he absolutely has. And um, you wonder why people people were afraid to play there probably because there's pricks like us turning up. Well, you're a fucking useless cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but that that penalty as well is particularly annoying because we should be now level and goal difference, like you referenced at the top of the show. Rev, level and goal difference with Spurs. That would be that would give us a huge incentive now going into the last two games. I mean, it's only one goal still as it stands, but fucking two goals as it stands. But Jesus Christ, that is that just makes the penalty for all the reasons we talked about at the top of the show even more annoying as well. That's true. Going up, actually young, and you might think, oh, it's for that brilliant interception on the hurricane pass to Son, who was probably offside. I'm pretty sure definitely it was. offside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant interception though for actually young, who was alert, but. He's going up because Emmy Buendia feels like he has to appeal to Ashley Young about not being given a free kick instead of the <laughs> officials. <laughs> Something has happened here. Ashley Young is over. I think he might be with the linesman because he was close to Buendia. I don't think it was a foul. This is the one then that McGinn apparently fouled Son then further down the pitch. But Buendia went over pretty easily at the edge of the box. And, and Young's over having a word then after the... After Spurs get the free, of course, and Emmy Buendia is over grabbing Ashley Young's arm, appealing to him. He's not even facing the officials. <laughs> like, this is brilliant. What what authority this man holds. Buendia got kicked in the ankle and then threw himself to the ground, cheating, looking for a looking for a soft free, and then forcing John McGinn to do his work for him in the other direction as well because he stayed in the ground. It's like the ref hasn't blown his whistle. Get up for fuck's sake. 
And yeah, it's, it's Ashley Young did end up getting booked, but he does walk around the pitch carrying a lot of authority, the authority of a man who's won a lot in the game and who often seems like he's smarter than everybody on the pitch as well. Yeah. Going up. Do we put Ollie Watkins up? Like, is this a classic Andy Vyman week to go up for Ollie Watkins? I mean, I don't like now that he hasn't scored in is it four games. I benched him on my fantasy team this week. That's not a nice feeling. And he isn't looking as prolific. He's not putting away his chances that he's getting. He's not getting as many chances either. But, I mean, sort of pivotal in some of the big chances that we did get. Pivotal for the first goal. I think he won the free for the second goal as well. I mean, maybe this is the classic, I might not be on it, I might not be scoring, but I'm going to give you this baseline that we always talk about. Yeah, well, the original name was the Andrew Swyman I Can Never Hate You Award. And That's for right. all those for all those reasons you, you listed there as well, like his actual impact on the game from an attacking sense, despite not scoring a goal, the recovery runs that man was making and the pace of them were was absolutely insane like you really appreciate how fast somebody has whenever they're tracking back and the amount of times you saw ollie Watkins just filling in space getting back into left back cover from buendia once down the right as well not that surprising but like and leon bailey as well down the right once as well also not that surprising but the, the power and the pace of him closing those players down I and mean, when you see someone like him coming in at that speed even if he can't tackle it makes you panic your pass off isn't going to be as clear it's not going to be as clean cut and for for the recovery runs and the closing down alone you put him up in the andrews vibe and i can never hate you meter yeah all the old classic like like the the original whatsapp when you find the, the cross going out from the right hand side out for a goal kick we've got a classic lineman meter increase here today with ollie Watkins, and i think the person going up the most on the Vineman meter is John McGinn. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in every facet of the game. I thought he was so good on the ball. His arse was brilliant. I think every time his arse is good, we should put him up on the Vineman meter. He was tough. He was, yeah, he, he like he, he gave away a few frees that he should never have given away. He was, he was on a different plane to some of those Spurs players today. And then when, you know, that game was sort of not getting away from us, but we were under a lot of pressure and we made the subs. You know, maybe three minutes later than I would have liked if I'm going to nitpick. But, uh, <laughs> we got Kamara on, got Girano as well, like two positive subs. He got the right man off. It was Bundy and Bailey at the right time. And and then moving again to the right, it just, oh, we just look so much more solid. And again, on the ball and off the ball. When I saw McGinn tracking back the whole way to the byline then for, for one of them, it was like, thank God. Thank God we just made this change in that time. And McGinn... After everything he had given in midfield, he was running that game in the first half, like proper, proper centre midfielder. And then we had him on the right end. Like, can you just do the shift for us now, please? And he, he fucking did it. Yeah, he absolutely dominated the game in defence and in attack. It was an incredible centre midfield performance from John McGinn. And his passing was brilliant. His running with the ball was absolutely incredible. He was stepping past Spurs players like they weren't there. I mean, often it was Richarlison. And like you said, he is the winner of the Ashley Westwood Awards. So maybe, maybe that isn't just as praiseworthy as I've just made it out to be there. But he made Harry Kane look like an absolute twat two or three times as well. That was incredible. He was just swallowing people up in his arse and shitting them back out again. Yeah. and it's always a good sign when there was three Spurs players going at him then in ninety third, ninety fourth minutes. They were just a bit rattled by him, like he was giving, he was leaving stuff in on players. He was complaining to the ref then when he was actually giving them any bit of a reprieve, and they just got fed up with him after ninety four minutes of torture on and off the ball. Yeah, absolutely, and 
she like I said as well, he was the ref treated him so badly as well. It's like the ref doesn't like football. Like he doesn't like people touching each other on the football pitch. It was incredible. Come on, that's really admirable. You've just seen someone run 40 yards to cover for his mate who's died at the age of the box and knock somebody to the ground shoulder to shoulder and then win the ball back as well. And in the sliding to win the ball back, pass it to the center half. Don't be a fucking cunt. That's not a free kick. <laughs> the only person or thing I have going down in the Vimeometer this week is Alex Moreno at right back. I don't know if you remember this. It was one time, maybe after a corner, maybe after a free or something like that. He found himself at right back, and all he did was he just did a dummy and turned around and played it back. But but I felt unbalanced just looking at him standing over the ball <laughs> on the right hand side. I don't think I realized maybe how one footed he is, and I, like there was no reason for him to use his right foot there. But it just looked all wrong. Maybe it's just because he's so prevalent on the left. Honestly, my brain couldn't. It couldn't process what was happening seeing Alex Moreno on the right hand side, and I don't want to see it again. I think that's probably why he's so bad at dribbling as well because he, he can't even knock the ball out of his feet with his right foot. Yeah. He looked like he was panicking there as well. But the reason he ended up over there was because he had a brilliant interception in the box and knocked it out to right back and went over <laughs> and recovered and got the ball back. Yeah, well, that's a really good sign that you know, sign of the week that was in it. That that's the only thing that's going down in the Vimean meter. It was a it was a brilliant day. Something that I think probably classic now for me and classic for this podcast. I said just last week, this season's over. <laughs> I started and ended the podcast, and that now I'm ending this podcast. But remember the time the left bike was at the right hand side. I just <clears throat> before you jump off the Vimean meter because. I know we talked about him a lot during the last couple of weeks, um, but we, I think we made the same mistake about four weeks ago as well. Well, sorry, we didn't. We recovered our mistake about four weeks ago as well. We said, Jesus, maybe we should put Tyrone Mings up. Tyrone Mings was absolutely fucking brilliant today. He was so dominant. It was incredible. Absolutely brilliant defensive display from him, including holding the offside line, which is not exactly within Tyrone Mings's skill set. I thought he was class, clearing the ball in the box so often, so dominant in the air. Really, really solid performance. Yeah, he went for a couple of headers just after we scored, or they can stay scored the, their goal. It was 2-1, and you're thinking, oh God, is this going to get a bit... And it's there was a bit of positivity in the headers as well. It was just, it was just a feeling of I've got this. Don't worry. Like they're not getting a fucking second goal. They're not getting a goal from open play. This is fine. I'm going to get up and win. All I'm going to do that fifty yard header that I can do as well, so we can all relax. <laughs> but even like the amount of times his head, he's passing now with his head. Yeah, big lump balls up the pitch. He's under pressure from the center forward, and he's nodding it down to Ramsey or Moreno. It's incredible. Yeah. All right. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. I'm going to introduce a new subcategory in this category and it's called questions you can't answer <laughs> because we got a tweet from Debutops. <laughs> Debutops, i choose you he said can you explain what the fuck you mean by carry on i, <laughs> I keep hearing you talk about carry on and i'm like why are they complimenting hand luggage is carry on like crack or an argument I must have heard you say it 40 times. I'm so lost. Great carry on. Now, I actually don't remember saying this at all. <laughs> I don't know if you said it, but I'm happy to give my explanation of what I think carry on means. And I think it can, it can mean, you know, you, you would say it, that's that's stupid carry on. Like, see, this is, this is where you fall into the trap now. You're unable to explain something because you're so used to saying the term. 
it's yeah. I mean, yeah. you've just you've just used the term again in a sentence that doesn't. <laughs> That, that's what his problem is, Conor. He doesn't. He doesn't understand the use of it. Well, you can't I, just I, say it again. Maybe that's great. Maybe. Carry on, so it is. That's what it kind of means. <laughs> exactly. So maybe you can help me. I've got. <laughs> no, I've it's got... much more fun just sliding you off. <laughs> Stop carrying on. See, this is it. I've got. I've got two meanings for it. One of them is that's that's stupid. Carry on. That's awful. Carry on. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to come back to that one and explain to people what that means because i'm struggling to do it and the other one is maybe the same thing but it's you know carry on is is this where the movie name comes from carry on it's it's no it's not that's the old classic and they saying oh my god but carry on is like when you're joking around i'm carrying on i'm, I'm only carrying on it's fine don't worry about it but the stupid carry on is i suppose a bit more like i would attach that to a what the fuck moment is that right <laughs> yeah, it means messing, really, doesn't it? Messing, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. We don't need to explain what messing means, do we? Well, we don't know. We'll wait for the tweets to come in. <laughs> yeah. All right, questions we can't answer. No, but probably will. Is Eddie Howe the assistant manager that you see most doing interviews? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Jason Tindall stuff has gone mainstream, and I have to say, I'm happy to see it. I'm very happy to see it. But my God, our mentions are relentless now. At the minute, it's it's awful. Carry on if you go into our mentions. <laughs> I have no intention of going into our mentions. Much like I had no intention of ever finding out who Jason Tindall was until you brought him to my attention <laughs> a couple of months ago in this podcast. I I think the first thing I said whenever you had brought him up was, "Who the fuck are you talking about?" And now, like most people who listen to this podcast, you can't unsee it. Once yeah. you fucking taken that genie or let that genie out of the bottle, it's it's really hard to put it back in. And all you can see is his big fucking stupid face constantly on the camera. But I'm worried now that it's going to become, uh, you know, a, a, a real life meme and the cameramen are going to get involved in it. They're going to have the camera on him more often. He's going to become self-aware. It's going to be fucking pathetic and disgusting and no one really wants it, to be honest. Much like they didn't want them in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it has, it's gone so mainstream. Now, even Eddie Howe has been asked about it in American press and on Sky. I'm pretty sure he was asked there recently too. And you could tell almost he's a little bit, not paranoid about it, but it's, it's not a great question to have to answer. It's like, why, why is your assistant, your right-hand man, attention-seeking, trying to get on camera all the time? I mean, that doesn't reflect well on you either. And uh He's not answering it too well at the minute. He's just saying, "Oh, like we 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 do everything together." <laughs> Great. Can you answer the question, please, Eddie? Um, <laughs> yeah, but now it's it's all over the shop. Even Newcastle are trying to get. They're trying to own it. You know, they're trying to. They posted a picture of Jason Tindall. Maybe a good response, but it was just a big picture of him smiling. You know, and I'm sure Newcastle fans loved it. But Cork City in their game on Friday night put out a graphic and i'm amazed that this got picked up so mainstream because it is the tiniest and it's not blurred but it's it's, it's just cool graphics where it's it's sort of colorized so jason tindall the tiniest jason tindall's in the background of this big massive picture of a player coming out of you know their ground in the background and stuff and somebody's just spotted jason tindall in there and the whole thing is taken off for them that's incredible it's a, it's a, a really a really good joke much like jason tindall is a really annoying joke <laughs> the last question we can't answer but probably will is who does Bruno Fernandes think he's playing for? <laughs> no one thought that Man United would be fighting for top four. Top four? Man United? 
We know that. We know that now everyone thinks we have been great. But I remember <laughs> at the start of the season, no one even put our team in the top six. <laughs> it's a good surprise for them. I mean, like, I get that this guy likes proving people wrong, but this is not proving anybody wrong. Yeah, real captain material there as well, isn't it? Coming out swinging like his club captain at 3 a.m. on a Mykonos club night. <laughs> and, uh, the weird thing about this is only Man City and Liverpool were good last year. Yeah. There, there was two vacancies in the top four. Who fucking wants it? And nobody was writing off a squad that cost five or six hundred million quid and then had another two hundred million quid thrown on top of it as well. <laughs> and your biggest and most famous fan, fucking Gary Neville, said you'd finish second. Yeah. That was his pre-season prediction. Nobody except for the person you fucking listen to the most and we all have to put up with the most. Sorry. This was Gary Neville's January or February prediction. <laughs> he said they would finish ahead of Arsenal. Like Arsenal were flying high top of the league, and he said United would finish ahead of them, and he thinks Arsenal might finish third. Unbelievable. Yeah, like what a load of absolute nonsense. But the, the, <laughs> the, the weirdest thing about Bruno Fernandes saying that as well, he's saying it like, you know, they've achieved something. They have better players than Arsenal and Saudi Arabia, and they're going to finish behind them. Yeah, and the the, re the most annoying thing about this is Man United wrote off a season to get their man. You know they got him, they got Ten Hag, they gave him the centre half they wanted, they gave him the two centre midfielders they wanted, they gave him the right winger he wanted. They fucking better be finishing in the top four. <laughs> Why did they just let last season go? Like they finished fucking sixth last season so that they could get their man, and apparently all they wanted him to do was challenge to fight for the top four. Fucking incredible. But maybe Bruno's right. Maybe we shouldn't have expected anything from them, seeing as he's their fucking captain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he proves us wrong anyway. Proves, <laughs> proves all of us wrong. But anyway, we'll leave that there. It's been a great day. Another great UNI Emery masterstroke. It's just amazing this guy's a manager of Aston Villa. I absolutely love <laughs> supporting Aston Villa. And that's never, never going to wear off on me. It's so good. But, um,. You know, let's see how I feel after the Liverpool game next week. <laughs> Could be back down the dumps. But you know what? I'm looking forward to it again. That's the great thing about it. I'm once again looking forward to another match. And we hope that you will join us then. Thanks again for listening. Uh, share it on if you wouldn't mind. Really do appreciate that when people do it. So we will chat to you next week. We're almost there. Home straights now. Two games to go. Just sit back and enjoy it. I know I will for a couple of days. Bye-bye. <laughs> 